Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and with me today, I have Jordan from the Eyes on Big Podcast, going to be breaking down some Michigan stuff for us, the resident Michigan fan for us here for the College Football Playoff Preview. And I also have my good friend, Rajiv, with us from the Bucky Report to be talking about the Wisconsin preview and everything else, giving his thoughts and opinions there as well. I'm going to go ahead and push it to these guys. They can introduce themselves, tell you where tell you where that you can find their podcast and stuff at. Jordan, why don't you start us off? Yeah, hey, so first of all, thanks for having me, JR. I've been listening for a while. This, uh, this, I'm excited to do this. So I'm newly to the big, the Eyes on Big Pod this year. My co-host, Jeffrey DeGree, kind of picked me up this year when his buddy Big Kurt had to step away for a while. So I am, uh, I'm helping out with the Eyes on Big. That's Eyes on B1G on Twitter. Uh, we record twice a week. We do previews, post views of all Big Ten games. And kind of slowing down a little bit now, obviously, with both season, but First year back into it, excited, having fun doing it. So, for sure, yeah, I, we've had Kurt on, we've had Jeffrey on, and I figured, well, we have to have Jordan on as well. So, uh, I don't know why I waited after the Michigan Ohio State game. I should have done that before, but <laughs> you know, why? You know, <laughs> I was just overconfident, I guess. All right, sue me. I'm a fan. Um, go ahead and uh, tell people about you, Rajiv, and where they can find you at. Yeah, my name is Rajiv. Thanks for having me on. This is my second or third time I think on your show. Really appreciate it, Jr. Uh, yeah, so at the Bucky Report on Twitter. Um, I'm, my personal Twitter is at Rajiv Badgers. We also record twice a week. We're probably going to keep that going, I think, through the year. I also am a contributor on Locked On Badgers, so check that out as well. Uh, yeah, excited to be here and talk about the football, college football playoff and great bowl games. For sure. Rajiv, one of the best at covering the Badgers I know out there. So super excited to have you on, Rajiv. Appreciate you being here. Before we get into it, I do want to remind you, we are a part of Big Banter Sports. This podcast is brought to you by BigBanterSports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. We have a podcast for every team. You can go over there. Some of them are once a week. Some of them are twice a week. Stuff like that uh, for football and basketball. And if you're watching this on YouTube or Twitter, please do like and subscribe or follow. We appreciate that. If you're listening on podcasts, please do subscribe. Give us a rating over over there we appreciate that all right guys let's get into it so michigan versus alabama i gotta tell you guys the storylines in this game if nothing else that is what i love about this game we have michigan who you know they've, they've lost their last two games but this is in my lifetime the best michigan team i've ever witnessed i think i mean they are they are just humming they're doing a great job this season and then you have alabama and nick saban who have won their last six uh Playoff semifinal games. I had to make sure I said that right. Their last six playoff semifinal games. In fact, the only playoff semifinal game they've lost to is to Ohio State. So can Michigan make it happen where they, you know, double up with the Big Ten and give Alabama their only two semifinal playoff losses with Michigan and Ohio State? That would be quite the storyline as well. Jordan, we're going to push it to you first. What are your thoughts on this game? You had to give yourself just that little pat on the back there. I had to. Hey, I I respect it. I respect it. No, I'm with you. This game, you know, this game, like you said, there's storylines of plenty here. Um, there's a lot of different ways in my mind you can look at a game like this. I mean, you can talk about the Nick Saban, the Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan struggle, struggles in a bowl game and how Saban's been so dominant. But to me, those are years past. And I want to look at this year's game and what this year's game is. And to me, it's there's a reason this point spread and this line is the way it is. And it's because these two teams are like mirror images of each other. They're extremely good defenses with offenses that can be good, but have struggled at times when they play better competition. And I think both offenses have some flaws. So to me, looking at this game, 
it's like that's why the spread is so small because it comes down to the margins. It's can JJ McCarthy use his legs more now that he's going to be more healthy? I mean, it was well documented the last few games of the year. He's pretty banged up dealing with something with one of his legs. Can he make a few plays? Can Jalen Milrow make a few plays? And which defensive line and offensive line can control that line of scrimmage? Because that's where this game is going to be won or lost. Oh, for sure. And I think I think a big part of this as well is I, I know everybody's going to talk about Will Johnson. He deserves to be talked about. Fantastic player. One of the best quarterbacks in the nation. I don't think he gets enough credit, especially because of his injury earlier this year where he wasn't able to play as much. However, I do think that Mikey Sanders still is going to play a huge part in this game. The dude is just a turnover magnet. I think sometimes his coverage can be a little questionable, but he makes up with it with all the turnovers that he's able to get. Dude is just a ball hawk, does a great job. And with how much uh, Alabama likes to throw the deep ball. He is going to be integral in that pass defense to make that happen. Rajiv, what are some of your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so first, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Alabama shouldn't be in this game because I'm, I'm a very strong believer in what happened with Florida State. It was a complete mess. That shouldn't happen. Um, but look, I, I think, like you kind of said, look, I think this is one of the best Michigan teams we've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah. Is, I mean, generally speaking, Michigan has been one rung below House, but not anymore. And J.J. McCarthy has done that. The defense has been there. They are a very consistent offense. The question I have is, is Alabama going to be able to pressure J.J. McCarthy into making mistakes and into throwing an completion? <clears throat> now, Coram obviously is the guy. You've seen Maryland had a little bit of success slowing down Michigan to an extent. But realistically, no one has actually been able to slow Michigan down. So I think this is the year that, that Michigan kind of flexes muscles a little bit and the Big Ten can finally stop losing these games for the SEC. And please, Michigan, no crazy mistakes like last year. <laughs> because both of your teams should have been playing each other last year. And it, it drives me crazy that that's not the case. Boy, could you imagine the storylines if that would have happened? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. I absolutely think that this really comes down to how much pressure – can Alabama put on J.J. McCarthy? Can the Michigan offensive line hold up, protect the pocket a little bit, and give McCarthy time to throw? Because if you do, he's going to find weapons. Blake Corum is going to get his carries. And I think Michigan has the advantage there, but it really comes down to that, that pass pro. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was going to ask I mean, you about that, Jordan. Uh, oh, go ahead really fast. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you you say pressures, and I think the biggest key to that is Michigan staying on schedule. Because like our tag, it's no secret, our tackles have been bad against speed edge rushers and uh, Alabama's got two of them <laughs> that are really good and that speed to power. Really good. So it's important to stay on schedule. But I mean, to me, that comes down to being creative in your running game and not being as predictable as what they have been. Let's be honest. Michigan's offense at time has been very vanilla in what they've done with their, mostly with their running. I mean, their run calls. I mean, it's, they run a lot of duo concepts. They, they ran a lot more pin and pull last year, but it's been most of that duo concept this year. And if you know and your gaps on in that, you can really take that apart. So, yeah, I, I think a big part of me for this game is the Zach Center not being there, which, you know, really, really hope that he heals up. He's going to be a fantastic NFL player. Uh, th- that was absolutely uh, devastating to see him go down. Uh, I didn't like the play after that in the Ohio State game, but, you know, that, that was, uh, that it is what it is. But um, I was going to ask you, Jordan, what are your thoughts about Trevor Keegan moving to guard? I assume he is. And then what is it, Henderson going out to be the right tackle? Do you have any thoughts or, or concerns? about the the pass pro with Henderson being out there or the run game. I don't really think it's a big problem for the run game. I have more concerns about the pass pro. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? So it's actually Carson Barnhart is moving from right tackle to right guard. And 
uh, Ladarius Henderson and Trevor Keegan are left tackle, left guard. And then gotcha. Trente Jones actually inserts to right tackle. Carson Barnhart's a true guard. Like when he goes to the NFL, the only shot he's going to have is to play guard. He's the one in the Penn State game that was just getting absolutely murdered off the line of scrimmage. And that's why Michigan stopped throwing the ball because he couldn't pass block. So in that sense, it's it's better because Trente Jones is a better overall tackle. He's just not a better overall player. Mm. So, but obviously you lose your best offensive lineman in Zach Zinner and that hurts. So it will be a step down. But I think as far as like the true busts that we saw with like the Penn State game with Barnhart, I think those are limited a little bit because Trente Jones is a little bit better of a tackle as far as pass pro goes. Yeah, great insight there. We got a comment from uh, the Ohio podcast. I agree with Rajiv 100%. This should be FSU in this game. I agree as well. Uh, and of course, he has to put his roll tide in there. So uh, I'm right. I'm right there with you, Ohio podcast. I think I should have worn my Michigan versus everybody shirt tonight. I feel like I'm <laughs> the wrong one on tonight. I think every Michigan fan has one of those right now, right? They just like give them away. Um, Rajiv, uh, your thoughts on this game with who do you think ultimately will win? I'm not asking for a betting pick or anything like that, but who do you think ultimately will win and what do you think will be the difference to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just tired of seeing Alabama do anything in the college football playoff and I'm excited to see the Big Ten actually perform and I think no offense, JR. This is the Big Ten's best team. The Big Ten has put out their absolute best in Michigan. They deserve it. Deserve. Yeah. I mean, like, look, this team is really, really good. I think Michigan wins this game. I think they win it close. I'd say like between six and seven point margin. I think Blake Corum is going to be the guy that I think really puts them over the edge because while Alabama has got a really good rush defense, Corum is a different kind of guy. And and when if he can get carries early, which I, I'm assuming that he will then I think J.J. McCarthy is ultimately the difference guy. Because when you when you look at McCarthy and Milrow, I don't think it's really close. I think McCarthy's the better quarterback. I think you, where the, the the coaching edge and it clearly kind of goes to, to Alabama with Saban versus Harbaugh and everything that Michigan's dealt with this year. But let's just face it, Michigan's the better team on paper. And I think after what happened last year in the playoff and the disappointment that they had, this is the year they pushed through. I think Michigan wins by six. The betters would agree with you. I don't know about the point total, but they would agree with you that Michigan is a better team as well. Michigan's favored by one and a half. And, uh, you know, when we talked about this early on, I said, you know, I think Alabama is going to win. Now, part of that was it also came right after the Ohio State loss. And, 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 you know, I had to cope with that, obviously. And I know that word gets overused on Twitter. But if we're being honest, that's what I had to do. As I look into this game more and as I try to be, you know, a little bit less biased in those things, I do think that Michigan has a very good chance of winning this game. Uh, I am ultimately going to pick Alabama. Call me biased. I, you know, fine, whatever. I am ultimately going to pick Alabama. And simply because Nick Saban, with all this time to prepare, all this time to make things happen I think he's the difference right as I quoted before six and oh in his last six semifinal games I mean that's just ridiculous you give this guy time to prepare and make things happen but I don't think it's a given I'm probably like 55 percent Alabama earlier I was probably near like 70 75 percent but I've gone back and I said you know what Michigan has a really good shot of winning this game I would not be surprised at all if they win Jordan uh, I assume you're going to tell me why I'm wrong uh, so go ahead and just tell me why I'm wrong well, I mean, obviously, being the Michigan fan, I I am I do think Michigan wins this game. Right. Uh, for any gambling degenerates out there, I like the under in this play. 
as long as it stays kind of where it's at, starts mm-hmm. moving down any bit, then you might want to stay away. But I do like the under in this game because I do think these two defenses are the two best units on the field. But the main thing I like about Michigan in this game is they're just so old. They these guys have all seen it. They all these guys have faced the two bad defeats they had in the playoffs the last couple of years, and they know they know what it feels like to be in these games. You're not dealing with a whole bunch of freshmen and sophomores out there that are that are just eyeing the NFL. You got a bunch of old dudes who have felt it and been through the fire. So I like Michigan. It's going to be a close game. Turnovers are going to decide it. Which quarterback stays clean? But I'm going to take Michigan, and that's that's head and heart at the same time. And I, I do I do think that what happened last year and how close Michigan was to making it to the title game actually will have an effect. Like those players remember that, and being in that game just last year and feeling that disappointment. I think will help be that little extra bit that pushes them over the edge. I hope so. <laughs> it's going to be very, very interesting. I, I'm so excited to watch this game. I think it's going to be a great game overall. And, you know, rooting interests aside, it's just going to be so much fun to watch. Two amazing teams, two uh, great matchups. It's going to be fun to watch, and I'm excited for it. All right, guys, let's move on to our next one. Washington is playing Texas. Washington undefeated, obviously, 13-0. and Texas beating Bama, but falling to Oklahoma earlier in the year. They are 12-1. and They got that uh, huge blowout win over Oklahoma State, which propelled them into the playoffs. Obviously, Bama riding those coattails a bit to get up there as well. I think we can all agree Texas probably deserves to be here, right, guys, I would say. Yeah. Um, I, and so Texas is a very, very good team. Washington, obviously very deserving as well. Jordan, let's go back to you again. I'm curious your thoughts on this game. Yeah, this game is really interesting to me because you have a strength and a weakness going up against each other with Washington's offense, obviously, and Penix and Adunze and those wide receivers and just running all over the place. And Texas's secondary has been nothing short of Swiss cheese most of the year. Now, I know a lot of what Washington likes to do is set up through the run game, which is where Texas's defense is extremely good. But I almost think that with a coach like Kalen DeBoer and being as good of an offensive mind as he is, knowing the weapons that he has, he's going to exploit that Texas secondary a lot. I, I lean Washington in this game and how I feel. Like I, I mean, there's there's obviously time to go here, but, man, this team has been that team that they've been just like, ah, they shouldn't be here. They were 10-point dogs to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Didn't have a chance. Their defense has got good. There's NFL players in that defense. I think the matchups that I look at with this game are what make me think Washington overall talent wise. Sure. I think Texas has got more talent, but I like the matchups that I see with Washington versus this Texas team. Yeah, I do too as well. It's going to be an interesting one to say the least uh, with Michael Penix Jr. Uh, probably could have been the Heisman winner if Jane Daniels didn't have such uh, an amazing season. We'll talk more about his team later. Uh, Rajiv, what are your thoughts about this Washington Texas matchup? Yeah, I think it's great to, to it, talk about a fun a game to watch when you're talking about panics versus yours that's those are two fantastic quarterbacks and two offensive minds as as jordan kind of mentioned too so there's that piece of it and and yes i agree with you that the texas secondary has not been great but they actually are they're they're 13th of the nation for a defensive yards on points allowed per game they've got a good defense now any one of the big 12 generally doesn't have good defense so there's that piece of it too but um, yeah, I think it's really just a battle of which coach outsmarts the other one because the bottom line is these guys know how to call plays. And and I agree. I think the talent, the talent is probably better on Texas a little bit. Washington, 
there is something to the fact that they're undefeated. And I think that's going to, that's putting a little bit more pressure on them. Texas, I think is coming in a little bit more carefree, right? They've had that loss. They had to fight their way into this. They're sort of the underdogs in, in this whole thing. I mean, Alabama technically is the four seed, but let's be honest that no one thinks of them as a four seed. Texas is the team that most people would probably say probably has the lowest chance to win the title. They're coming in with house money at this point. So I think they play a little more free and that gives them a slight edge, but this is just going to be a fun game to watch. It's one of those games where you look at and say, you know, the best college offenses, like the best called offenses, the best strategy, the best schemes. This is that game that you want to watch because two brilliant offensive minds going at each other is always fun. You're going to have two very different games. And the first game is going to be a defensive struggle. The second game is going to be high flying, like bet the over in the second game, bet the under in the first game. Like it's going to be fun. And it's, and it's truly Jordan, to your point, it's truly about like the conferences, right? Big 10 SEC are defensive conferences, big 12 and Pac-12 are offensive conferences. That's exactly what's happening right now. You're literally seeing offense versus defense. And then of course, you know, when it comes to the championship game, that'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, so this is just a fun game to watch. If you are a big fan of defense, you're not going to want love this game because you're, it's probably going to be a 43 to 40, you know, situation, but it'll be fun. Hey, another key piece to keep an eye on in this game is with, with Quinn Ewers. I mean, he's got some injury history and Malik Murphy's in the transfer portal and not with right. the team. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do we get an Arch Manning sighting if Ewers hits his hand on the helmet again? You know, that's that's the option. It has to be Arch after Ewers mm-hmm. if Malik Murphy gone. So that's a huge, huge piece in a playoff game. You, you potentially could have to go to a true freshman. Can you imagine the hype if Arch Manning wins a playoff okay. game? <laughs> I mean, if, if there if there is a true freshman to go to, I suppose that's the one you want. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> he already had so much hype with his name. If he wins a playoff game, it's going to mm-hmm. be – All the Texas oh. fans would be insufferable. <laughs> oh, yes, they would. Um, well, that's going to be my next question. Rajiv, um, regarding Texas, right? So the big thing with Texas is, is Texas back? Is Texas back? Um, they made the playoffs, so that's obviously a huge thing in their favor. They beat Alabama at Alabama – this season, I would argue that's a different Alabama team than we're seeing now. Uh, Nick Saban has his team playing better, so I think that would be probably another toss-up game between those two if they did play again. However, uh, my question to you, Rajiv, is is Texas back now, or do they have to win this game and win the national championship to be back? No, I think they're, they're back. They're okay. back because they're back, in, they're back in many cases. One, the fact that they're here. Beating Alabama is a real step in the right direction. Losing to Oklahoma, they're gonna they're gonna lose to Oklahoma every other year. I feel like that's one of these toss-up games. And no matter what happens in college football, that Red River rivalry is always gonna be back and forth. So I don't really care about that. Um, but getting Arch Manning is a, is another big piece of them being back. Because let's be honest, like who knows how amazing good he's gonna be or not good he's gonna be. But the fact that they got him is a huge step in the right direction, and it sends a message throughout college football that. Texas is not going to just be some doormat any te- a team or a team that, that has been that used to be great back in the Vince Young days. They're here to stay. Now, that being said, they're going to the SEC. So who really knows what that's going to look like with their schedule next year and how and where they – I think it's so interesting, this conference realignment. You never know where someone's really going to slot in. You know, I mean, obviously we know all about that with the, the West Coast teams coming into our conference and what that's going to look like. So I think they are back because of the recruiting and because getting to this step is a huge deal. And when the, in the, the last year of a 14 playoff, big, big uh, you'll get for them. Yeah, they've Jordan. done really well in the transfer portal, too. Yeah. yeah. Do you agree, Jordan? Is Texas back? I mean, they're back for this year, but like you said, they're going to the SEC. So it's like, I mean, it's getting a lot tougher. Yeah. There's there's not there's not as many, I mean, as much as I hate the SEC because of all the bias that we hear. 
I mean, it is tougher top to bottom than what the Big 12 is. I mean, they're obviously way better off than what they were, and I think that's credit to Sark because they've always had players. They've always had talent. They just haven't been able to put it together. So obviously Sark, being what he is as a coach and, and a CEO, if nothing else, is helping push that direction. Sark and Manning, those are the two reasons that you can say they're back because those guys, that's, those are big names in, college, in the sport. I mean, right. bottom line. Right. If nothing else, the names themselves have them yeah. uh, trending in that direction as well. So uh, well, let me ask one more question and then answer for me who you think will win based off this question. Jordan, we'll start with you. Uh, so we talked a lot about the offenses. Sark and DeBoer, obviously offensive geniuses, have made a lot of great things happen for those units. However, I think the defenses are going to play a huge role. Both teams struggle probably the most with their tackling, I think, uh, but both of them are still good defenses. Obviously, you're not going to be 12 and 1 and 13 and 0 if you don't have good defenses. Uh, Jordan, who has the better defense and who do you think will ultimately win this game? Hmm, that's tough. Um, I think if I had to lean one way or another, I would lean Texas as an overall defense. I think, and that's mostly because I think their defensive line is so good that it can completely take over the game. Um, and I think it's for that reason that I'm leaning Texas overall to win the game. Uh, it's going to be close though. I mean, I said, I like the over, I do think Texas is defensive front. I mean, I'm a big 10 fan. So trenches win and the defensive line, I think their defensive line is going to control the game. And we said, I said that Washington likes to try to establish their own. I don't think they're going to be able to. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'm right there with you. I think Texas wins this one. Unfortunately for Washington, I know that they have the what the Joe Moore award for the best offensive line. Uh, I think they're a good pass protection offensive line. I don't know if the run blocking is going to be there, but who knows? Dylan uh, Dylan Johnson is it? Uh, he could just have an amazing game and, and make a lot of things happen that he was able to do in the Pac-12. Rajiv, same question to you. Better defense and who do you think ultimately will win? Yeah, I think better defense is Texas. They've got like, and Jordan said it completely right. The trenches is where these games are won or lost, and that's our that's because we're Big Ten fans that we're going to say that. If this is a Big Twelve podcast, they'd be like, "What's wrong with?" You? But I mean, at some right. point, it has to be true, right? Look, I it's mean, totally right? True. it's totally true because the two best conferences in America are the Big Ten and the SEC. That's why. Right. It's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think Texas wins the game. I, I think they, they honestly look. Washington's had a great year, and congrats to them. The, the last year of the Pac twelve, as we know it, they had a great year. And they deserve where they are, but Texas is just a better team. And, you know, like tech, Washington's averaging, they're giving up 24 points a game and Texas giving up 17. And I think that that matters here because it, they're, it's, it's going to be very tight. Like We know both offenses are going to perform well. It's a question of which defense is going to get that done. And I think Texas will do it by a little bit. I think this is a three-point game. Texas wins. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, Jordan, a quick question and just give me your first reaction. Texas, Michigan, and the national championship, who wins it all? I love Michigan in that game because I think we're more well-balanced. I figured you'd say that. Uh, Rajiv, Texas and Michigan in the national championship game, who do you think wins it all? I mean, I agree with Jordan. I think this the, the toughest game Michigan has is Alabama. The, if they beat Alabama, I think it would be, a, to me, it would be a massive disappointment for the conference if Michigan doesn't beat Texas, because I think they are the better team. They're the best team in the country, period. So, yeah, it's Michigan's to lose at this point. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be crazy fun to see. And if I were picking Michigan versus Texas, I would also pick Michigan. Uh, I can't believe I just oh, that said had those to words. Hurt. Did you hear that, Ohio? <laughs> I can't believe I just said those words. But I would have to. I don't believe in Sark like I believe in Nick Saban. So that's the – Oh, that's that, fair. That, that that's what it comes down to. Um, I'm not going to say anything nice about Jim Harbaugh. Moving on. So, <laughs> 
Let's do Wisconsin and LSU. Rajiv, this is your team. You obviously uh, have a couple guys out in this one through the portal, but the big one you mentioned before we got on here, uh, Braylon Allen will not be playing in this one, so that is obviously uh, hard for uh, Badger fans to swallow. But the good news is LSU won't have their Heisman uh, Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels, playing in this one, so that's big as well. Rajiv, what are some of your thoughts going into this Wisconsin-LSU game? Yeah, you know, the one thing about Wisconsin is we always perform well in bowl games. We're a team that gets up for bowls, which I know, you know, you can look back at history and think this that's not a predictor of what's going to happen. And maybe it's not, but I do think Wisconsin always does well. We play well, we get up for it, and it's a big deal. And frankly, we have a pretty good record against the SEC because we play them all, almost every year. Jane Daniels not being in the game is massive. Let's just be honest. They're also losing some receivers, so they're going to be down some weapons. The line, I think, started at like 13. Now it's 10 because of that. Wisconsin lost a lot too. Our our top running back, Braylon Allen, um, our center, Tanner Bordellini, Chimray DK, one of our top wide receivers, another contributing receiver, Skylar Bell, defensive guys, defensive lineman, Rodas Johnson, uh, middle linebacker, Jordan Turner. So we, we lost guys on the portal into the NFL. But what that allows is young guys who, frankly, me and some of the other guys that do our podcast will have wanted to see. Uh, guys like Christian Allegro and, and middle linebacker and, and guys that I think are really going to play. Tretch Kekahuna, really good recruit uh, coming out of Vegas, um, wide receiver. So I think Wisconsin is going to have a very tough game. You're playing an SEC team. You're playing LSU. This is not going to be easy. We've had a very, very up and down year. It's finished seven and five, Luke Fickle's first season. And we had two horrible losses to Northwestern Indiana, two losses that I never want to think about again. But if you take those out, there were some positives to look at. Our defense got progressively better throughout the year. Um, once the first drive goes away, we actually were able to, to stop even Ohio State from scoring big points again after that. We didn't get a chance to play Michigan and beat Michigan, but no, I'm just kidding. That would never happen. Uh, but yeah, it's and Camp really, Randall, you never know. You never know. It's going to be a really, really tough game. Um, but I think Wisconsin is going to be up for it. And the young guys are going to want to prove themselves because we've got a decent, very good recruiting class coming in next year that I feel like they, these young guys got to take their opportunities now. And I think that's a big step. So yeah, going to be a very tough game. I'm not going to lie and say we're going to win by 30. That's not going to happen. This is going to be a very difficult game. I frankly am one of the Badger fans that wanted to see us play this game. I like going up against SEC. I love being able to, to have those bragging rights games against that conference that let's face it, we all hate so much. So Yeah. Very, very difficult. We lost a lot, but there's a lot to prove. And Mordecai's still there, our quarterback. Uh, has, he can really move with his feet. He's not the best deep ball passer with accuracy, which is an issue for us, which hopefully gets solved next year when he's gone. But he, he can't really move with his feet. He can extend the plays, and he's a really good game manager. Pauline is playing in this one, right? Pauline is playing, yep. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Yes. Um, what I think is interesting is PFF actually has Wisconsin with a far better defense than LSU. Now, obviously, I don't LSU's think that's defense, surprising at all. LSU's defense has been bad this year. Well, they're, it's they're not, not been not good. <laughs> it's not been great, but the the margin of it itself, nearly seven points, was yeah. surprising to me that it was that much. Now, obviously, you know SEC fans are going to say, "Oh, Big Ten list, whatever." Uh, Straight the schedule is important there, exactly, Let's talk about because that is true. Like our defense did really get better throughout the year, but we played some pretty crap opponents. So let's, yeah, that, that is something to take there, but yeah, they're, they're off. Their defense really hasn't been great. The thing is our offense really hasn't been either. 
Right. Well, and that's what the point I was going to make is like you have a team with a bad defense going yeah. up against an offense that struggled this year. Not not all on their own accord, primarily because of injuries mm-hmm. and not being able to get into rhythm. Uh, but I think Phil Longo is a very good offensive coordinator. He's had a season under his belt now to kind of get his guys together. Uh, I think we could see a lot of points in this game. And I think Wisconsin could very well surprise LSU. Jordan, what are some of your thoughts going into this game? Yeah, so when I look at any of these bowl games that are like the non-playoff bowl games, we talk about this a lot on the Eyes on Big Podcast. It comes a lot down to want to, like which what Motivation, which these teams yep. want to be there. And I think Wisconsin's going to want to be there. I think Luke Fickle's going to have, like you said, a lot of young guys are going to have to play because of what you've seen go out. And young guys are going to want to show out so they have a spot for next year. LSU is losing all these guys. You know, Daniels isn't playing. I doubt neighbors plays. So I think the want to is definitely going to be on Wisconsin's side. The question that I have for Wisconsin is, can we see the consistency from this offense that we saw at times? But again, it goes back to consistency. They look good for stretches, and then it's just like, wow, they have no identity again. And it's just you have to get rid of those stretches where the offense just completely stalls because this LSU offense is going to score points. Like It doesn't matter who's out there, they, they've, they've got a great scheme with their offense. They're going to score points. So I need to see this Wisconsin offense get back into that good, consistent rhythm that we saw. And that, like you, like, uh, like you said, Mordecai got to use his legs a little bit. He's got to stay mobile and stay ahead of the chains. If they can do that, Wisconsin's going to be in this game down the stretch. Yeah, because the two the, – the, you, you mentioned consistency, and the two most experienced players in our offense is Braylon Allen and Chimray DK, both of who are not playing in this game. So that's – that plays a really big part in the consistency. And, and you're talking about backup running backs and Jackson Aker and Kate Yacomelli. You're talking about a different center and a left tackle. There's a lot of moving pieces and transfer portal stuff in and out. So consistency is definitely going to be the key. You're right. And I just don't know what we're going to see. I think we saw some good things from Acker, though, at times with all the injuries. Sure. He showed some good promise. He runs hard. Look, he has fresh legs. He hasn't, he's barely even right. carried the ball here. So, but that, but that comes with the fact that he can do that. And right. he has a motor on him. And yeah, there, there is, there, there's still a lot of talent. And especially the wide receiver room, there's a lot of talent. The question Will Pauling, is, like you talked about, Will Pauling's a good absolutely. player. Will Pauling is a fantastic slot receiver. He's, he's really, really good. Bryson Green is a great talent that hasn't really had the year that we all expected, but he is someone that could still be a, a game changing player. My question for you, Rajiv, is what quarterback is better, Tanner Mordecai or Graham Mertz? <laughs> because Graham Mertz put up 35 on this LSU defense, okay? Listen. 300 plus yards, one touchdown pass. Uh, we, you know, seven rushing yards. That's not exactly great, but still, 35 points for the Florida offense. I mean, come on. At a certain point, if Graham Mertz can do it, Tanner Mordecai can do it, right? He can, and that's that's a fair point. Graham Mertz has a better offensive line and a better pass per offensive line than, than Wisconsin does. Graham Mertz is not the better quarterback. Graham Mertz <laughs> is just a, a thorn in, in all of our sides. He was a, he struggled so much. And, and, and let's, let's be honest, if Wongo was his, was his offensive coordinator and Fickle was his coach, I think he would have been successful in this offense. Had he stayed and not gone to Florida, I think he would have had a pretty good year. You, you could argue, yes, he's a better quarterback, but I, I'm just not going to say that. I'm going to say Tanner Mordecai, who, by the way, had 70 touchdowns at SMU before he came to the yeah. Big Ten. He had really big numbers. He had NFL aspirations, and I don't think that's necessarily going to come to fruition. Obviously, he's playing in this game because he wants to show out one more time. Uh, but, yeah, Mordecai is still the better quarterback, only because I'm not going to say that Mertz is the better quarterback. <laughs> Pride All comes right. before the fall, right? Hey, right. Yeah. All right, Jordan, so we'll, we'll, we'll push it to you first. Who will win this game and why? 
Uh, man, it's tough. I, like I said, I think the want to and the motivation is definitely on Wisconsin side. And because of that, I think they're in this game late. I, I like taking Wisconsin plus the points on the gambling side of this. If, you guys, if anybody hasn't picked up, I'm a gambling guy. I like the gambling <laughs> side of things. I, I live in I live in Las Vegas, so I hear you. <laughs> I, I like the points side of it, but at the end of the day, I just I just think this LSU team has too much talent, and I think they end up getting this win. But I do think this game is close, and if they can force, if Wisconsin can force a couple turnovers in the second half of this game, watch out because they they can win this game. One hundred percent, they can win this game. Yeah, for me, the 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 big piece is going to be Ricardo Holman. You know, can can Ricardo Holman uh, make some of those plays that he's made this season? People don't realize he had a ton of interceptions this this season. I think he had the most in the Big Ten. Am I right about that, Rajiv? Yeah, and, and yeah. he wasn't even he was like third team All Big Ten by the by, right. you know the big. But then he but but yet he was also like All American. So I don't know right. what the Big Ten media were doing that. I had him on my top five of like defensive player of the year power oh, rankings yeah. at one point, And I got, I had so many fans, you know, why is Ricardo Holman up there? Is that even that guy? It's like, dude, the, the guy has like, you know, five interceptions on the season. He's leading yeah. the big 10. He's really, really good. You know, give him a break. Um, so, but I think if that's going to happen, you're right, Jordan, that Wisconsin has to force turnovers. They have to get Garrett Nussmeyer uncomfortable, make him try to run around and do too much because at the end of the day, that's what Jaden Daniels had to do all season long was his defense just wasn't good enough he had to win every single game for him and if they can make Garrett Nussmeyer make mistakes that's how Wisconsin is going to win this game I still unfortunately will take LSU because I'm just not sure that's going to happen but it's kind of similar to the Michigan Alabama thing I'm like 55% LSU but it would not shock me at all if Wisconsin comes up with this one uh okay Rajiv go ahead and tell me why I'm wrong and why Wisconsin's going to win yeah, I see you, Jordan. I just picked your team to win the national championship, and I can't get a little love. Get what's going on. <laughs> hey, I took you with I, I, the points. I, I, I you with the points. That's I mean, right. So first of all, I agree with you on the points. You, you always take Wisconsin in a bowl game with points because for some reason they underestimate us every year, and you're right about the want to. That's going to be a big deal. So three names on the defense where Carl Hummel is one of them. Hunter Wohler is another one, um, and Christian Allegro, our, our, our new sort of young linebacker who's, who's super fast and, frankly, is just better than the other linebackers we have on our team. We don't really rush the passer all that great. Uh, that's the issue, I think, with getting Nesmeyer moving a little bit. And and but I think ultimately he's not Jaden Daniels, and that's the reason we win the game. If Jaden Daniels is playing this game, I I'm sorry, we're not we're not winning. It's going to be a close one. And do I absolutely think Wisconsin wins? No. Am I going to pick Wisconsin? Absolutely, because I do think we have that want to. We do have enough game makers. The fact that our starting quarterback is playing, our defensive guys are playing. We we lost a little bit on defense, but not big players offensively though, we did lose some weapons, but look, Mordecai's going to have to use his legs and Mordecai's going to have to hit his receivers. And we're going to have to open them up a little bit because we know LSU can be beaten down the field. If we can just get that done, which is a big, if I think Wisconsin does get it done. So I will pick Wisconsin to win a very close game. But yes, like Jordan said, if you're gambling, take the points, Wisconsin minus 10 by plus 10. That's good. Well, that crappy Florida State team beat them who, you know, they apparently can't beat anybody. So <laughs> they didn't deserve it. They yeah. didn't deserve it. <laughs> right. Sorry. Sorry. We won't get down that rabbit hole. All uh, right. Right. Let's go ahead and go to Oregon is facing Liberty in their bowl game in Oregon, 11 and two. Obviously, both of those losses coming to the undefeated Washington Liberty, 13 and 0. I don't know if I've ever seen an easier schedule in college football. However, 
They're 13 and 0, so let's give them their flowers. Uh, this is going to be a big one. Bonex is playing in this game. He said on Instagram, one more really wants to get out there, plays for teammates. I think that's huge. I think it says a lot about the culture when an NFL uh, ready quarterback is willing to come back and play. Now, Bonex doesn't have you know the draft grade that I think he might want to have, so it's going to help him to come play in this one. However, I mean that's huge for him and for Dan Lanning and the coaching staff. Oregon has a ton of hype coming into the Big Ten. Uh, possibly the most hype out of the four teams uh, coming in off of what they've been able to do on the recruiting trail and everything else. So this is going to be a huge game for them. Can they keep that momentum going in? Uh, Jordan, what are some of your thoughts on Oregon versus Liberty? I think the reason that Bo Nix is playing is because he knows he's going to be able to put up some numbers and some good tape for the NFL in this game. Because, yep. like, no offense to Liberty, like you said, if they're 13-0, that's not easy no matter who you are. But they're way outmatched in this game. I think Oregon's second string would walk through this game, and I think that's why the point total is the way it is. Um, I think Oregon, barring massive injuries and a downpour of some kind of monsoon, is really going to walk through this game. I just think they're the more physical. I think they're the more talented team. Now Liberty's going to come out. I mean, Jamie Chadwell's a good offensive mind, and his offenses are a little different. They're a little It's a different scheme to look at. But Dan Lane's an amazing defensive coach, and he's going to be able to take advantage of that. And I think Bonix does Bonix doesn't play in this game if he thinks it's any chance it's going to hurt his draft stock. Mm-hmm. I just think he knows, hey, I'm going to come out here and put up 354 touchdowns and sit down in the third quarter and relax. I agree. I agree. What do you think, Rajiv? Yeah, I mean, look, I think I appreciate the fact that a team like Liberty gets an opportunity to play in the New Year's Six Bowl like this. I think I like the fact that the FCS is like, like not the FCS, but the, the group of five, five. non power five, the group of five conferences get that. So that's fine. Um, with Oregon's minus 17 here. I'm taking, I'm laying the points and taking Oregon. Come on, man. I'm sorry. I might all line it to 21 and a half or something, even. Yeah. I mean, yeah. most of the year, Oregon was one of the best teams in the country. And I think a, a, almost a favorite at most of the time for the football playoff. And had they made the CFP, I think they could have done some real damage. And I think they, if they were in Washington spot, they, they would beat Texas. That's how I, I actually really like Oregon. I think they're a great team. Just talk about experience and Bo Nix. You, you're talking about a Liberty team that hasn't faced a real team all season. And now they're going up against arguably the best quarterback in college football. Yeah, Oregon wins big, and I don't think it's I think it's close. Honestly, I think this is one of those times where the group of five get a little bit embarrassed because Liberty's just not the team to do it. Congrats to them. They had a fantastic season, and I'm not trying to take that away from them. But this game, Bo Nix, the, the wide receivers they have in Franklin and Johnson, I'm sorry. These guys are going to run all over them. It's not even going to be fun to watch, honestly. It's just I this mean, is one of the worst group of five teams in the New uh, Six that we've seen since they started doing it. It just totally. really – I mean, just, look, at, look at who they played. They haven't played anybody. No, I agree. I think, uh, and just going back to Big Ten, I thought Jordan would bring this up, but but I'll bring it up since I'm the Buckeye fan. Uh, the trenches is obviously the big part of this, right? I mean, Liberty just doesn't have the the quickness or the feet of their tackles to be able to contain Oregon's pass rushers. Uh, they just don't have the size to be able to run block in this one. I mean, that was kind of their weakness all season long was was their offensive line. Now, their defensive line in some areas was a problem as well, but it wasn't as bad as the offensive line, in my opinion. And if you're a group of five team going up against the power five team, your strength has to be the offensive line or the defensive line to make things happen. So that way you're at least able to stay in the game. For me, Liberty's 
kind of like Colorado, where they have a good quarterback, they have a good running back, and they have good receivers on the outside, you know, some of those skill players. But at the end of the day, they just don't have the line. And I think it could honestly get pretty ugly uh, in the second quarter if Oregon just keeps reeling it off and, and just keeps stuffing them. And I, this could be one of those games where Liberty doesn't get across the 50 until like the third quarter. I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say that. But it's just kind of how I feel. You're not wrong. It's it's about it's about one on one battles, right? Football yeah. is all about that. I mean, blocking. It's like if you, you think about Liberty defense going up against Oregon's offensive line. Anytime those linebackers come across, they're going to get swallowed up by blocks. There's going to be holes all over the field. Like I know Liberty's good, but Liberty's good in the group of five. They're not good. If if they were in the Big Ten, I mean, maybe they win the Big Ten West because the Big Ten West is horrific. But no, there's I mean, no way they score. On that's, that's there's no way they score on Iowa. But I just. Ultimately, I just feel like those guys are going to get swallowed up. And those one-on-one battles, you're not winning them against Oregon. Most teams in America aren't winning them against Oregon, let alone Liberty. Yeah, I mean, these group of five teams, when when they stay in these games, in these New Year's Six games, they generally have a game-breaking player, an NFL-type player on the defensive side that can make a play. I just don't think that name is there. Like, JR, you mentioned a few of the offensive weapons. They have some nice talent on offense. I just don't think there's anything on the defensive side that's going to slow Oregon down. I mean, Oregon scored 60 against bad teams this year, and I don't think that's – I mean, I don't think they get to 60, but 45 is probably pretty easy in this game. When they get to like 80 against Portland State or something yeah, like that. Something like yeah. So it's probably not going to be there. But, I mean, I, I just look at this and I say the combination of Dan Lanning r- loving to run the score up, Bo Nix wanting to improve his draft stock, all of this going together, encapsulating this game, I just I, – I hate it for Liberty. You look at last year because that's what everybody's going to say, right? They're going to be watching this video saying, well, look at Tulane and USC last year. And it's like, well, look at USC this year. They're 7-5. and five, They stink and – you know, Caleb Williams is amazing. And Tulane's but that's about better than Liberty. I mean, exactly. Like Tulane had the offensive line and the defensive line to compete with bad defensive lines and offensive lines in USC. Uh, but that's not the case here. Oregon has a pretty good, uh, I wouldn't say pretty good. They have a good offensive line and a good defensive line by power five standards. So they're going to be able to really wreak, wreak havoc, uh, wreak havoc for uh, Liberty, and it's 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 not going to be pretty. This is not a game where you want the offensive-minded coach that can do something tricky uh, and make something weird happen. This is where you want the defensive line and the offensive line, and to me, it's just not close. So, all right. Uh, so we all agree Oregon's going to win this one and the trenches and the difference. Yep. <laughs> Turn it off uh, at halftime. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into some recaps. Minnesota played Bowling Green earlier today. I wasn't exactly super excited to talk about this game. At first, I didn't know what we would get in this game. I didn't want to watch the Big Ten team lose to the MAC team. If they did, I was like, begin relegation now. Put Bowling Green in the Big Ten. Put Minnesota down in the in the MAC. But yeah, sir, it's just he's probably loving that right there. That guy, yeah. <laughs> Get rid of the Gophers? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, they paid $30,000 for a quarterback that, you know, threw about 50% and uh, got the job done. They should have been paying extra money to Darius Taylor because this guy was a 
beast in this game. Well, they better um, be paying because I have a feeling his cell phone's probably blowing up from teams in the transfer. Oh, room. yeah. The spring window is going to be nice for him. Oh, I guess the window's still open. It's open yeah. to what? Early still January. Still. He could. He could for sure. Uh, Rajiv, we'll give you the floor to talk about Minnesota first <laughs> since I know you have so many respectable things to say about them. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one, Rajiv? I mean, please. Minnesota shouldn't even been in a bowl game. They won five games. I stop it with this nonsense about how they we needed to fill one slot. I don't care. I don't care if they had some higher ranking. It's, it's bull crap, all right? You don't win five games in a regular season and get to play in a bowl game. I'm sorry. P.J. Fleck can go row his boat somewhere else because honestly, forget about it. I'm glad they won because the Big Ten's respectability is on the line when you play a MAC team. And, you know, the Big Ten needs to be playing the SEC. When you play these MAC games, you need to just dispose of them. They did not dispose of them. Darius Taylor deserves a lot of credit. I think he ran the ball like 35 times, 36 times, something. Kramer threw maybe 16. Clearly, they had a plan. They executed it. But this team sucks. Minnesota's awful. They should have been in a bowl game. I don't even, I, I just, I have zero, zero amount. See, you guys at least have respect for each other's team. And that's fair. But I don't have any respect for our run. So any Minnesota fan out there, I'm sorry. And until P.J. Fleck is not your coach, then, you know, we can move on. But Minnesota, congrats for beating a crappy Bowling Green team. Good job. Way to only beat them by six and still make us look bad. Uh, but you shouldn't have been in the bowl game to begin with. There you go. So if there's a, safe there's to a say re- that you don't oh, own a canoe or a kayak or anything because you're not rowing any boat no. anywhere. If I had I'm to go, I'm thinking that boat, baby. <laughs> and we have the axe, so there you go. I was gonna say it's. There's a reason why I invited a Michigan State uh, fan to come on and preview the Ohio State-Missouri game and not a Michigan fan in Jordan because uh, it, it would probably not be some nice things to say <laughs> about Ohio State. Hey, but I get you'll, it. Have to, you'll have to tune in. Or you, should, yeah, you said you're a little behind. Listen to the eyes on Big Podcast. We broke mm-hmm. down Ohio State-Missouri last podcast. Yeah, you I need to. surprised by my thoughts. Okay. All right. All right. I'll listen in and uh, and just cross my fingers and hopefully you say a few nice things. So, um, but hey, I've always said say a few nice things. It makes look it makes your win look better, right? right so, right. Uh, and you have all the bragging rights. But uh, all right, Jordan, what are your thoughts on this Minnesota uh, win over Bowling Green? I mean, congrats to Minnesota. They got the win. That's PJ. PJ had to have that win. I mean, we were talking about it at the end of the season that it would have been a long off season in Dinky Town if he loses this game and goes five and eight. Cause like, how many times have you heard of a team going five and eight ever? Like, it's just a rare thing. And I mean, they got the win. That's important. Joe Rossi's gone. So the defense was going to be questionable to see how it looked. The biggest thing for me is I'm pissed at Mike Hart for not recognizing Darius Taylor was in his backyard <laughs> and letting him go to Minnesota. Cause this kid is a monster, like 35 carries 208 and a touchdown probably could have been more. There was more out there. Like the, the, that kid is special. And the rest of the big 10 probably going to hope that the sec calls and wants to steal him. Cause he's going to be a, a terror to deal with the next couple of years. Hey, Three and zero in the Quicken Lanes Bowl for Minnesota. All right, so they love playing the Quick what, Quicken. Oh no, Quick Lane. Sorry, I don't even know the name of the ball. Quick exactly. Lane Bowl. That, that, that's exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> um, PJ Fleck. What? Uh, he's not seven and zero, but the team is seven and zero. He is five and zero in bowl games with Minnesota. So uh, you know, hey, g- <laughs> give credit to PJ Fleck. I guess he gets his teams motivated and wanting to play. Uh, maybe that motivation for the quarterback was a little bit different for other people. However, it motivation is motivation. For the TV crew to continuously show his fiance was on a different level. Good <laughs> yeah. grief. That chick was on well. a TV every other dang shot. Yeah. 
Yeah, they kept showing her and like, oh man, the wedding. I was just glad one of the announcers didn't say something inappropriate because that's yeah, happened sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't have any other thoughts. I, I guess we can talk about this. Um, Minnesota going into this new age Big Ten. Obviously, they didn't have the best season this year, six and seven. However, uh, three of their last four, not I guess their last three seasons, if you don't include COVID, uh, they had nine wins or more. So I, I, I don't know. I'm curious on you guys' opinions. Jordan, we'll start with you since we went with Rajiv first on the other one. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Minnesota moving forward in this new Big Ten? Yeah, I, I think you can, as a Minnesota fan, you can take this season a little bit better with with this win. Now, next season, if it starts out slow, they will be at the gates with pitchforks for PJ. Like he can't afford another six and six type of year next year. He needs to bounce back and get to eight or nine wins to keep the pressure off. Because like in Minnesota, obviously with the Big Ten expanding, the goal isn't national titles, but you should be competing to get to Indianapolis. Like you should be in that conversation towards the end of the year. And they just flat out weren't towards the end of the season. So they need to start out fast next year and be a lot more consistent of a team than what we've seen because it was just like it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with this team. The defense would look great one week and then just god-awful the next week. Well, they look great for part of the game, and then Northwestern would just decide to start oh, playing that offense, was, and that, was, that yeah. was a weird, weird game. Um, all right, Rajiv, if you want to be measured on this one, you can, or if you just want to go for it, that's fine too. I, I get it. What are your thoughts on Minnesota and the New Age Big Ten? Look, and I'll be very honest. I think that the Big Ten West all has a rude awakening coming in. Other than Wisconsin and Iowa, who've been consistent teams out of the West, I think the rest of that West, Minnesota included, when you look at the new Big Ten and you look at the teams that we're bringing in in USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, they're all good recruiting teams. And then you look at the East and the, obviously the big three up there with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. And then you have Wisconsin, Iowa, and Nebraska that can all recruit. We have Luke Fickle. Nebraska's got Matt Rule. You know, Kirk Ferentz is eventually going to go away in Iowa, but Iowa's always going to be a team that's getting better. I think that's the thing that you have to look at. When you look at the Big Ten top to bottom and you look at the recruiting that Minnesota has to go up against and especially basically adding in powerhouses from the Pac-12, I don't think – I think we're in a very in dire straits looking forward in the, in the conference. I think Luke Fickle is the reason that we we can we have a light at the end of the tunnel. We, we are recruiting classes. We just landed a great – finished a great recruiting class top 20 – so I think that's – we are looking up. Minnesota's not, though. And I think until they move on from P.J. Fleck, and I'm not being very serious here, I think until they move past that and really go in a different direction, they are going to struggle, especially when you go up against everyone. They're, they're not – they don't only just have to get past Wisconsin and Iowa now. They've got to get past everybody else. That's going to be so, – But let me, let me ask you, though, so move on from P.J., but where do they go? Like what's, what's the direction that that program needs to go? Because it felt like when they brought P.J. in – it was kind of a good fit because he was mm-hmm. a guy that had his style and his system and it, his, it was gimmicky and it was kind of cliche and kind of a lot of uh, opposing fans are cringe to it. But it seems to it has seemed to work for the most part. I think it worked. It's just gone too long. I think it, it was gimmicky and it was fun at first. And they, they, there was that row that boat thing, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is now it's gotten it's gotten cringeworthy. And that's pretty serious. It has. Like every other Big Ten fan will tell, tell you that, especially Wisconsin fans. But like back in the Jerry Kill days, they were just better. They they had a more of an offensive identity. The recruiting was just so much better. And I, you know, yeah, I, it's a good question. I don't know where they go. They need to get. They need to find an identity. And maybe it is bringing in an air rate type of an offense, doing something totally different, and recruiting differently. But they've just 
the bottom line is they try. I mean, we get we get a lot of players from Minnesota. A lot of your teams get players from Minnesota. Like they're they're just, they're not recruiting well in their own state. They're not recruiting well in the Midwest. They're going up against Iowa and Wisconsin as their neighboring schools. Unless they change their identity and completely rehash their recruiting and their efforts, I think they're just they're they're not going to be a relevant program in the new Big Ten for quite some time. Just go full triple option. Exactly. There you go. Find a new one. They have the offensive line size to do it. One of those things about Minnesota, they yeah. do not. They do not fail on the offensive line. And, and, size. and we and we we have the same thing, but we've used it. We've we've done very well with that. And they've just they 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 con they constantly try to evolve their identity, and they don't. They can't really stick to something. We got LMZ numbers, numbers, numbers. Saying PJ is so mid. Um. So yeah, kind of. I don't know. I. I I struggle with PJ because like I said, he did get nine wins, nine wins, 11 wins. But at the same time, I'm with you guys. We're like, some of his stuff is just kind of cringeworthy. And some of his stuff is just like, do people really buy into that? But I mean, he's, he's an okay recruiter. He does, he does an okay job. So, uh, but if he can get back to playing with nine, you know, 11 win seasons, I think 11 is probably a ceiling, especially in the new big 10. I think 10, uh, win seasons are probably more like his ceiling there. Um, but who knows? We'll see. He beat Iowa for the first time this season. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, Iowa fans there. have some feelings about that. Yeah, <laughs> they sure do. And they should. <laughs> yeah. LM also said PJ recruits and hires great. For Rutgers. Easy. Now, hey, Rutgers is on the come up. I've been yeah. fighting for Rutgers on the Eyes on Big Podcast all year. They're on the didn't, come up here. Didn't Rutgers get Flip Dixon from Minnesota? I think he was from there. He was a transfer. Um, and then they also got Sirocco uh, from there as well. Or Sirocco, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and our friend Dylan from uh, the Purdue podcast. Glad Russ isn't on again this week. I was getting retired. <laughs> Russ is only basketball, Dylan. Don't worry. This is a football show. You won't see Russ on many of these. <laughs> All right, let's get to our last one. Northwestern brings the Big Ten West to Pac-12 football. They win in this one, 14-7. to Ben Bryant looked like he was going to get a concussion and be out of the game. And uh, whatever that backup quarterback, Helsinki, he just looked like when he went in the game, his eyes were so big. He looked like the moment was way too big for him. But uh, but Ben Bryant came back in, led the team to victory. Uh, so it was a good win for Northwestern. I, It's another one of those bowl games where Utah had a lot of guys out. Bryson Barnes, who's in the transfer portal, still decided to play. I don't know what that does for morale and motivation for their team. However, uh, that was a contributing factor, I'm sure, to some of it. Rajiv, what were some of your thoughts on this game? You know, I think that we, I, I, my last rant, of course, I went off on Minnesota and how bad they are. But I think this Northwestern team deserves a ton of credit. I mean, you look at everything this team went through in the offseason and all the, the the stuff around Fitzgerald and everything that was happening – I mean, you talk about eight and five record. Braun deserves so much credit. These guys, eight and five. I mean, you couldn't you you couldn't even find odds on that if you ask about Northwestern winning eight games this year. That's unbelievable, unbelievable. And double their season win total. They double. Right. I mean, they're just they're fighters. This team, like you'll see, it's ugly. It's an ugly game. Fourteen seven, but they won the game, and they've been doing that all year. They've just been finding ways to win, and it's all about coaching. Every single game, if you watch any of their games this year, they outsmarted people so often. They outcoach, they outscheme, they prepare more. You said Jordan earlier about want to. They want it more than other teams right now because kind of like the mentality that Michigan's playing right now with Michigan against the world, Northwestern was playing with that a lot too. 
after everything that their entire program was just torn down last summer and everything that was Northwestern football and all the, the good that Fitzgerald did for that program kind of fell down quickly, rightfully so or not. I mean, we could, that's hold up different debate, but I just feel like these guys really fought and I, I give Northwestern a ton of credit. I'm actually really happy for them. I always root for big 10 teams at bowl games because I want the record to be, to be better. Right. But this was a game that I really wanted to see because I just feel like of all the teams in the big 10, I mean, you, you could give Braun coach of the year easily. I just feel like he has done such a great job. So kudos to them. Kudos to all the guys and all the fighters in Michigan State. I mean, I mean, Northwestern, they fought really hard all year. And all those players deserve to look at that record and be proud of it. I agree. I agree. There was a tweet I made before the season. It was on the 20th of August. And before we get to you, Jordan, I just want to read this. I gave three options. I said, what would be the most unlikely thing to happen this season? Michigan State goes three and nine while they went four and eight. So it was almost there. Uh, Northwestern has six plus wins. Iowa goes to the college football playoffs. Michigan has an out-of-conference loss. Uh, 41% said Iowa goes to the CFP would be the most unlikely thing this season. However, Northwestern won eight games. I put the bar at six. Just go to a bowl game. And, you know, granted, they they did go to the bowl game with seven. But still, I mean, they won the bowl game. They got to eight. Um, I look at this and I'm saying, look, David Braun took over a 1-11 team from last year. Deion Sanders took over a 1-11 team from last year. Everybody wants to talk about Deion this, Deion that. The dude had six players in his in his recruiting class, right? And he's going to go back to the transfer portal and try to do more of this nonsense that's not going to work. Stop talking about Deion Sanders and start talking about freaking David Braun because David Braun is an amazing coach to have this happen. Uh, and, and Colorado's schedule wasn't that much more difficult than Northwestern's. Northwestern was able to do something fantastic uh, and and this game just kind of encapsulated the whole moment. Uh, David Braun's season, how he's starting out there. I'm sure I'll probably dislike him in three or four years because he's going to do something to hurt my team. Um, but for now, I think it was amazing. Jordan, what were your thoughts on this game? I've never agreed with an Ohio State fan more than I do right now. <laughs> Deion Sanders is getting all the praise that David Braun deserves. Yep. You said What you said, you encapsulated it perfectly. The dude found a way to take a team of guys who weren't supposed to win four games, go to a bowl game and win eight games against a good Pac-12 team who, by the way, won the last two Pac-12 titles. And like, Kyle is Whittingham a, is like a top 10 coach, a lot of people yes. think, right? Yeah, well, I, yes. That dude, the team's constantly good. And by yeah. the way, a little side note, the uniform in this game, whew, that was <laughs> perfect. Loved the purple with the Northwestern script against yeah. the Utah Red. It was a perfect uniform matchup. It was big eyes on big. We like to talk about the kits. Excellent one. But this Northwestern team too. And if you look at the social media aspect, it sounds like a lot of these players are coming back. Yeah, like yeah. They, They've bought into what David Braun is selling and good on him. The dude deserves it. Never been a head coach anywhere. Comes up from the FCS, just wants to be a D coordinator and gets thrown probably the worst situation that anybody's seen. And turns it around like nobody ever thought. Good on them. And everybody wants to make fun of the Big Ten West. And they want to talk smack about the Big Ten West. Oh, it's bad football. You want to talk trash about it until you're in one of those games. Right. And then you find yourself in a Big Ten West game and you don't know how to win it. Yeah. Because you got to be disciplined. You got to make plays to win those games. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The Big Ten West teams are good at doing it because they do it every damn week. Yeah. Good the, Ten, the Big Ten West is still the Big Ten. I always like to say that. It's still yeah, the Big Ten. Absolutely. And they still play a lot of Big Ten East teams. We're still one big conference. And, you know, yep. what it they get trashed all the time until you're in that game with one of those teams. Then you start to respect it a little bit yeah. more. And I think maybe Utah respects it a little bit more now. 
Well, and that was the thing. David Braun had this whole season. We had, he had technically sound team, right? He had a technically sound team on defense, especially on offense. They were iffy here and there, but they were able to be good enough on offense to get the wins that they needed to, like I said, win seven games, ultimately eight now through Utah. And to me, that's like the most impressive thing about it was he was able to get this team to not focus on Pat Fitzgerald, not focus. I mean, even some of the coaches I heard on the broadcast wore those like uh, t-shirts for Pat Fitzgerald. I mean, he was able to like put that to the side and even get those guys to coach the players. I mean, just what David Braun this year did is just outstanding. And it's not getting far, far enough recognition. And I know or go ahead. Chief. Yeah, that that's, you're absolutely right. That's the thing. I mean, you talk about taking a one eleven team and turning them into eight wins. You take a one eleven team that had all this noise. I mean, around it, most coaches don't get them to three wins. I mean, I, I, we were joking about it on our podcast too, before the season started, we're like, ah, Northwestern's going to maybe win two. Like it's just, it was a putrid situation for them. And you talk about, you know, we talked about Minnesota and like looking into the forward to the Big Ten and in the new Big Ten, Minnesota looks like a team in sort of going down. Northwestern looks like a team in the ascendancy, right? They all of a sudden just won eight games with David Braun and what they're doing. And and, and they're, this, this is going to help drive their recruiting a little bit, right? This is going to help like embolden that team and, and, and bring all those guys together to say, look what we did this year. Now let's see what we can do next year. And Northwestern is going to continue to be what they've always been, which is a disruptive team that's going to piss off teams like ours that just, you know, like you, you're like, oh, really? We're going to lose to this team? Like we've all, all of us right here, and I can all probably think of the exact game you're thinking of. Every one of us has had that game right. against Northwestern that has crushed our season that is like, you know, I mean, I, I know exactly what Jordan's thinking of. They're like, usually at Ryan Field, right? right. <laughs> but the, and, and that's the thing. That's what this team is. And they're going to continue to be that. And they're even going to get better. So, yeah, I, I am just so impressed with everything they've done this year. Well, and the other part of it, too, with Braun is, like, if you look at the recruiting aspect of it, he owned what Northwestern is on recruiting. They're not right. going to be that team that's going to go chase these high four-star, five-star guys because he knows that academically Northwestern is different. We, yeah. A lot of schools, all oh, our academic standards, Northwestern is, they are that. Like there yeah. is that academic thing there and he's owning that. So he's, I'm going to go get my guys that fit my culture and want to be here for Northwestern. That's how that program is going to sustain. That's how that program is going to build. So the fact that he already gets that and is already saying that, I have high expectations for what he's going to do. And I hate to say it because that means, like you said, they're going to get somebody probably every single year uh-huh. that they shouldn't get. And that's what I was going to bring up on the recruiting trail, Jordan, is that not only are they going out and getting guys who fit their program, but I mean, listen to the states they're going to, to get these Connecticut, Illinois, obviously their state, Michigan, Tennessee, uh, Indiana, Ohio, South Carolina, California, England. They went to England and got a guy. Okay. I mean, they, they are going North Carolina, Kentucky. Uh, I mean, they're going to all these different states. And if you know anything about recruiting and how somebody needs to set up their recruiting bases, you have to go to different states and try to draw a pipeline from somewhere. And so if he's going to these different states and these different high schools to get some of these guys, it's only going to increase his relationship with the coaches there. And it's only going to help him further be able to recruit more and more. Like you said, Jordan, he's not going to get the top end talent guys, but he is going to get good players who fit his system and it's going to be huge for them. Uh, Ultimate boiler. Let us know what a wild year for Northwestern. Yes, totally agree. And he also said ESPN is schmoozing for Dion getting a 49th ranked recruiting class at Colorado. Blows my mind. Well, Dion Sanders sells. 
right now. That's all it is. I mean, everybody clicks on it. Everybody wants to talk about him. And I don't personally get it. I don't, you know, I'm not going to say I dislike Dion, but I don't want to hear about a bad. We'll see how they all all feel about him when he leaves after this next season, when his kids are gone out of Colorado and he looks for another job because you know what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be gone eventually. So we'll see. See where it goes from there. All right, guys. Any other thoughts on Big Ten bowl games or anything like that? Ones that are finished, ones that are coming up before we get out of here? I mean, let's just let's just have Big Ten teams win their games. That's what I want to see. I love seeing the Big Ten beat up on other conferences and show what we are. And every year, you know, there's this Big Ten SEC thing. So, yeah, I just want to see every Big Ten team win. And I, I know a lot of Big Ten – some Big Ten fans aren't like that. They, they really like the Michigan fans, hate the Ohio State fans. And I get all that. And even, I even wanted to see Minnesota win today. That's I just want to see Big Ten teams win. I like that. So, And I would love, finally, please, Jordan, let's see a national championship to a Big Ten team, please, for goodness sakes. I mean, JR, probably much as you'd like to does I don't know if he really would. I mean, I'll be honest with you. When Ohio State's playing Missouri, am I going to be rooting for Ohio State? Probably not, but we'll, I'm with you. I mean, do, I want the Big Ten to do well because – I'm tired of this narrative that the SEC is almighty, blah, 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 blah. The Big Ten can compete with anybody. I'm excited for these games. There's some great matchups coming. I mean, these playoff games are going to be fun. The non-playoff bowl games, there's like we just talked about, there's some great matchups coming. There's some fun games. And whoever said there's too many bowl games isn't a college football fan because these games are fun. I uh, I'm right there with you, Jordan, and I and, and that's why I feel like I can root against Michigan is because I know if Ohio State was in the playoffs and Michigan was playing Missouri, Michigan fans would be doing the same thing. They're like, "Oh yeah, go Big Ten, but except for the Ohio State, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the rivalry. That's the rivalry, and that's what makes that's college fair. sports fantastic. So, so yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for Jordan joining us and Rajiv joining us here. It was a great conversation. We'll be talking more Big Ten football, I think, next Tuesday. I need to check my schedule. Uh, we're going to get back to kind of a norm- normal schedule in January with all the bowl games and things like that. But we're going to be talking Big Ten football at least once a week here. Big Ten basketball twice a week. We have a Big Ten basketball show coming tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. and be talking about some previews and some recaps there as well. So join us on that. Uh, but go check out these guys' podcasts. Like I said, these are two of my favorite podcasts to listen to. These guys both do a great job. I appreciate them, uh, even when Jordan doesn't have so many nice things to say about my Ohio State Buckeyes. But he's very measured. He's very measured, so I appreciate that. But All right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thank you guys for coming in. See you later.